This episode was brought to you by the Social Fishing Membership, Australia's fastest growing freshwater platform, giving you the resources to catch more fish. Welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. It's exciting to be sitting back down, ready to record another episode of the Social Fishing Podcast. But before we jump in and chat all about COD, Summer COD, and this season ahead, I just want to let you know that coming up, we have a live Q&A with the one and only Jacko Davis. Jacko is a regular on the podcast. I've had him on a few times. You guys absolutely love him. And I wanted to give you the opportunity to ask him questions yourself live. Now, the event is on the 28th, the Tuesday, the 28th of November, right before COD opening of 2023. Now, if you are listening to this after that date, the event the record will be recorded. There will be a recording of the live stream, which you can also watch. So, if it is before the 28th, you're listening to this as this podcast episode has been released right before COD opening of 2023, make sure you jump on the SF membership. So, if you're already a member, it will be streamed live inside the membership. You already know where to go. You've probably seen some of our live Q&As before. This one will include myself, Dan Weber, and Jacko Davis. We're also going to be giving away $500 COD Lua Pack for one of our members. Plus, if you jump on the live Q&A and you shoot through a question, you'll get an extra entry into the draw. I wanted to do something special for COD Opening, give everybody the opportunity to ask whatever question they want to some of the best anglers around and I really wanted to get Jacko on. He's jumped on. He's been kind enough to give up his time to come and have a chat with you and I also wanted to make one lucky angler's day and put up that $500 lure pack. So, that will include a bunch of awesome lures and a few extra things. Uh, giving it away at the start of COD season for one of our lucky members. So, obviously, all our current members, you can jump on that live stream and you get entry into that competition. But if you are not a member, jump on socialfishing.com.au and you can join our community. The community is ever growing. I can't believe how big it is getting. The amount of messages I get every day from our members either asking questions, asking for help or sharing their success stories. To see someone send through a photo of a yellow or a cod and it's the first one they have ever caught on a lure or in a particular waterway, that is the whole point of why I started this platform. I remember being a kid, loved freshwater fishing, loved chasing cod, didn't know how to do it. You probably heard this story before. I, there was nowhere to learn. You could only learn from really magazines or finding somebody to fish with and a, a lot of people don't have that opportunity. So, if you want to learn more but if you just want to be a part of a, an, an incredible community of anglers that are willing to share and help, it's an, it's an amazing platform. So, make sure you jump on, check it out, socialfishing.com.au if you are chasing more info, videos, content, whatever you want to learn about freshwater fishing. And we have the live Q&A with Jacko and the chance to win $500 worth of gear. There's something special about COD, mate. We have about 10 days until opening. Yep. Are you keen? Like, uh, I think I haven't been as excited as this. It's been a long time since I've been this excited because yeah. I know what's ahead with the rivers. Yeah, the river conditions are looking absolutely primed, mate. Uh, I'm pretty much the same. I've actually, 
I don't know, I guess I've probably started to get into the river cod side of things a little bit more in recent seasons, which has been extremely difficult because the conditions have been really tough. Uh, this season, it's looking good. And not only me, but my two boys are absolutely like coiled springs waiting for this season to kick off. What I want to do is I want you to explain why uh, this season is good compared mm-hmm. to the last three. What What is good? Good for people who, basically, this chat we're going to talk about. You know what to expect for the 2023 summer, 2024 summer. Um, yep. Also, please excuse me. I have randomly <laughs> somehow today had some shock and hiccups, and they just mm. come back as we started. So, please excuse excuse that. Uh, it's going to sound like I'm cutting in and out, but um, don't know why. I don't know where <laughs> that come from. Um, well, soldier on, but. Mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just going to have to deal with that because this is the time we chose to uh, have a chat, but. Cod opening is not that far away. I want to jump yep. on and create another podcast on cod. We're going to be talking about empowerments and rivers, more a general basic aspect of understanding conditions, understanding basically what you talked about, about rivers being good. What mm-hmm. What is good for some someone who's just getting into chasing cod on lures or bait? What is good? What is bad? It's all about conditions. This year, we're going to have good conditions even though we're going to drought, which sort of doesn't make sense, but it does make sense when we explain it. So, I'll let you do most of the talking <laughs> so some people don't have to listen to me. Yeah, so you try and work out a remedy for your hiccups, mate, and I'll ramble on on this end. Uh, I guess it's one of those things where we are going into drought, basically, so a lot of the country is going to be suffering from drought, but for us anglers... Um, it's actually good news, especially coming off the back of three really wet seasons, I think. Not only the fact that this one is dry, it's the fact that we've come off some really, really wet years. Um, the river's really healthy, um, especially up our way. Um, I know there has been sections that have struggled with blackwater events, and we're not really here to get into that. But for us, what makes a river good is probably the clarity is probably number one. Um, I dropped into uh, the river the other day just to have a quick look with the boys to see what it was like and to be able to see a metre into the water in the Bidgee is absolutely incredible. It is at minimum flow at the minute uh, up that end. Um, but I think, you know, the word is that further down the Bidgee's been really good as well. Uh, I understand the Murray's looking pretty good um, in a lot of sections and things like that. So I think it's going to be... Probably more predictable flows um, coming into irrigation season. I think we're going to be able to pick our sessions a little bit easier. But I think the number one thing is probably going to be that water clarity and how healthy the fish are, how healthy and happy they are. That They're going to be feeding pretty well. So it's looking good, looking real good. So it's interesting because every waterway is different and you've got... Victoria, you've got the Goulburn, you've got smaller yep. rivers like the Ovens, uh, the Lodder and things like that. You've got the Murray... Big mm-hmm. river, you've got the Bidgee, big river, and then you've got smaller rivers the further you go north, the Lachlan, the Macquarie. They're still rivers, but they're not huge. Yep. Um, and then you, you go up in your New England region. Mm-hmm. When we look at rivers, they're all very different. Now, if we go back prior to it started raining, like 2018, 19, we had some really tough conditions fishing, yep. even in that drought when the river was low. Now, I don't mm-hmm. know what it was. I don't know. I think it's because the land got so dry or we had some sort of big inflow and the water clarity was just there was so much sediment in the river that every time it rose 
and dropped the foot due to irrigation. It just the suspended particles in it were ridiculous, and I still yep. am actually not sure what co- caused it. And I kept saying to the guys, "We need a flush." So mm-hmm. we had a low, consistent flowing river in a drought after probably three to four years of drought, and it was poor. If the yep. water color was clear, the fishing would still be pretty good. It wouldn't be amazing because the water hasn't got doesn't have that flow, hasn't had that flood. The fish haven't spawned. You haven't had that introduction of rainfall like food from rain Mm -hmm. so it was a weird period where i said that the river is is not happy until we get a flood we need a big flush to either i don't know what to i don't know why it's clean now like i don't know if it's to do with the water in the lakes themselves because if we talk about the bidgey with blaring and burrenjuck they were fairly Mm -hmm. clear they were clear in 18 19 yeah Um, so it's it was the set like the amount of mud and sediment sitting on the logs and on the bottom yeah. and I'm guessing the three years of fl- flood we've had has maybe pushed that downstream. I don't know, but everything's looking pretty clear. Um, yeah. I think bit of a to, weird concept there, but anyway, yeah, you keep going. I, I think with the, the whole drought situation thing too is, I mean, if you think of your, say your backyard, if you don't put any water on it through summertime, it goes dirty and dusty. And so, mm. in general, there's a lot more just dirt up along the edges of the banks. And, you know, every time you get a little bit of rain or something like that, it would just stir that up so much more. Where now, coming off the back of these three wet years, um, everything's quite green. So, there's just there's just not enough. That's not as much dirt um, on the banks and, and things like that. Dust. That might have a little bit to do. Yeah, just just not dusty. Yeah. It's green. Because so. a few of the creek, a few of the creeks would run filthy from five mil of rain. So, yeah. Yeah. What what have we got now? For those, if you're new to fishing, you don't really know what we're talking about. We've gone into three years of rainfall. We had rainfall for 20, 21, and well, sorry, 20, 21, 22. Yep. Um, they're the, the years. Three years of ridiculous rainfall straight. And the fishing, from a fishing mm-hmm. condition point of view, was tough, right? Yep. It was crap. High, yep. dirty, inconsistent. Fish don't like it, blah, blah, blah. But the, the fish do like it for their spawning survival behavior feeding so even though it's kind of a funny one they feed really really well um they spawn well they do everything amazingly in floods except for somehow find our lures obviously you can bait fish quite successfully for them it's just to do with that water clarity and the non-consistent foot like flow to keep them settled on that timber they love it they've grown they will have grown heaps they will have grown quickly they will have fed well and basically, they've spawned well. The fishing, though, has been crap. We've had cold water, dirty water, all of that. But now, now we're going into the, the rains have slowed down enough that people are saying we're going back into drought, sort of, um, especially mm-hmm. in northern New South Wales, central New South Wales as well. Southern New South and Victoria is just starting to dry off now, but no more than a normal summer, really. Yep. Like yeah, been, that's right. In terms of rainfall, we've been spoiled. The last three years, probably too much. Yeah. Um, so, what you've got is you've now got a system. You've got the land that's fairly dry, but you've still got vegetation. You've still got vegetation and cover on the ground. It hasn't died off. So, there's two great things. One, the impoundments, they've started to drop a little bit. They've dropped to that 80% mark. So, you can separate your river fishing into impoundments and rivers that are just free flow there's no storage above them those of those ones will only rise with rainfall now they will be getting to a pretty good flow at the minute just from natural water coming out because that will still be coming out of the water and they're not dry like in drought years they're low they're consistent they're clear and when it does rain 
we have vegetation on the banks now that it actually runs in a lot clearer. It yeah. might dirty up a little bit, but it clears up quick. Yeah. I think so, the... Sorry, keep going. Yeah, no, I was just to finish up. I was going to say, so the... And the big rivers as well, there's not going to be as much um, water. They don't have to let, let water out to make room for more rain. So, yeah. basically, they will save that water. So, our flows will get low. Now, low to a lot of people who don't know fishing, they go, oh, the river's low, it looks ugly. But low and consistent and steady, clear, beautiful water temperature coming from probably probably the best will be February, March, April, May will be phenomenal fishing. It will be so good. I'm so pumped. (laughs) Even the summer, like the December will be good if you get the right waterways. Some waterways will still be super high, pumping for irrigation. Mm -hmm. The best thing is now when we get rainfall, or even if we get 20 mil, it, the river won't suffer for three weeks. No, no, the dams will hold back anything that's falling into like above that catchment and the river themselves, like you say, the vegetation and things on the bank will mean it stays clear. It'll push through pretty quick. Um, if anything, it, you know, it probably could be even a good thing if we, you know, if you do sort of get a little bit of rain here and there, it might just freshen things up a little bit for them as well. So. I was just going to say before, like the fishability of the river, I think is been, I think sort of people overlook that a little bit too. So when it is high and dirty and rubbish to us, it's it is really good for the fishing. So it it just makes it hard for us to actually fish it. So the fish are still happy; they're still doing all their thing. Um, just to us, it just seems rubbish because we can't sort of get to them where now we can yeah get on those waterways and and uh, hopefully get stuck into them. Fish effectively. So there's. There's probably two yeah. aspects to look at there. There's probably, for when it comes to targeting on lures, you've got a low river, which is, for me, it has to be low. The, the problem with it getting high is that whole concept of, yeah, there's way more water to find a fish, yep. but there's yep. also flow. And the flow becomes too fast to be able to fish effect- effectively. You've got your big logs, which you can't even see. You're fishing little reedy banks or tiny little spindly backwaters up the back which is great for small fish um yeah not consistent though when you get a low flow you've literally got the entire river um right in front of you the big logs all the timber all the tippets like prime yeah. the second yeah. thing is your water color because you can have a low river and I've, t- I've tested this time and time again you can have a low river that's clear and the exact same river same section same height but dirty and yeah. it's it never fishes the same ever no that's right no no Absolutely agree with that. Yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, flows, flows, and all that can be sometimes perfect. Um, but if the clarity's not there, the fishing's not there. What do you think, from a native point of view, according to Yellowbelly? What does flow? Uh, sorry, not flow. Color, clarity. Yeah. How does it affect them? Because I've I've written about this. I've talked about it. I've had I've had some sessions on bits of river where it's been lower and dirtier and a little bit higher but clearer. Mm-hmm. When it was dirty, you just you were just there's a couple of patterns that we've picked up from fishing in dirty yep. water they've written about. But uh, do you think it's a, a visual thing? Do you think they can actually see, or do you think it's a lateral line thing where the sediment in the water affects their ability to feel? I have mm. an opinion, but just keen on what your thoughts are. Yeah, look, my um, my line of thinking on the whole lateral line thing has really um, like that's really intrigued me over the last couple of years where. Um, you know, I think more and more about just how important that lateral line of fish is. And I've actually, you know, done a little bit of Googling and things like that to sort of look into it. And I think 
from what I can sort of, my opinion is that they work side by side. So they basically, one helps the other one out. So I think when it comes to a fish trying to feed in a dirty river is the lure's there and gone. By the time they realise it's there, it's it's sort of beyond their, where they're going to be confident of actually eating it. Does that make sense? So the, like, what, why do they not realise though? Is it based off well, their natural line doesn't work as good or they can't see? Because they obviously can't yeah. see as well. That's a given. But what about lateral line? So I, I'm, I'm not no way basing this on any sort of science, but I kind of look at it with relation to what we can see on our, say, our downscan sounders, where if you've got muck in the water, it will distort the, the pitch that you're going to be able to get. So you go to a really clear lake, you can really, you know, f- turn up that contrast in your sounder and get some amazing pitches. But when it dirties up something filthy like, you know, places like mm. Wangler that get dirty quite a bit, it can definitely take away from, from your pitcher and... I don't know. I kind of wonder if that whole lateral line thing is is sort of similar. So I, I, I don't know. What what yeah. do you reckon as far as is it the fact that they just they don't see your lure in time to be able to have a crack at it, or they don't see it at all, or what 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 do you reckon? My opinion from how how what I've seen on the rivers is the only way we could catch them in the same river, same river, similar flow. Perfect time of year, perfect water temperature, clear. They're always on in yep. April, May versus that year that just, I think it was 2018 or 17, 18. It just kept getting worse, maybe 19. And it just it was just a waste of time. We had four of us on a river, two boats for no fish on one session. I could not believe it. Through a session, a river that we normally That's catch rough. 20, 25 fish. Yep. Yeah, it was, and it was dirty. It was filth. Mm. It was yeah. yucky. Oh, it wasn't, yeah, it was bad. Mm. Um I've done another trip where we did manage to catch four fish, I think, where we should have caught, mm-hmm. you know, in excess of 15. Yep. Four of us fishing, we got four, three. We could only catch them in the slack stuff, the slack pocket. So normally in that flowing yep. ambush location where they sort of sit on the ends of the logs, where they ambush the food, the normal key spot where it's like, yep, put a cast in there, that's where the fish is. Not there. Yep. Um, or not feeding. I, well, I, I believe say- they're not there. Right, so you believe the fish move out of that yeah, they normal move. Yep. feed area. Okay. If you have because the flow's too much have... or be or because they can't fl- feed. Well, I think they do rely on their eyesight quite a lot and also their lateral okay. line. And I think you're yep. right. I think the lure gets disturbed, like their their lateral line doesn't work as well. Mm. And they rely, they literally go, Oh, I'm gonna rely on my sense of smell. They literally switch over to feeding because they're a cod or a, or a fish that survived for years, they get a flood, they get dirty water. You can yep. smash, by smash them, I mean, you can catch heaps on bait. You throw bait down on a yep. flooded river at the right time yep. of year or a high flowing dirty river, the bait, no problem. You keep catching them. Mm. Bang, 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 mm. you'll catch them. Lures, you won't as yep. well. So, on this yep. trip, the only way we could catch them and it wasn't very effective was to fish the slack pockets, the completely still slack water with hard bodies. Spinnerbaits didn't okay. didn't work, and the only reason yep. I sort of you could fish a spinnerbait slow and have a big blade, and the blades weren't huge on them, and the hard bodies yep. just give off a bigger thump compared to a spinnerbait with a small blade. So yep. that's where I got that from. We had to fish them super slow, like you're literally yep. just going boom, 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 just tapping them along. They weren't racing through like I normally fish them, like super fast. 
Yep. So they go, right, it's a flood or it's a dirty wash of water, you beauty, food rained, food's coming in. Where am I going to go? Right on the edge in the slack pockets where the worms, the grubs, the whatever, the bugs are all just going to slide in and just pull ball up yep. in like a slack pocket and let's just go sniff around and pick it up. So they're yep. literally switched off. So a carp might swim past them and they're prob- probably not switched on to that food source. Like yeah. when it's clear, they'd yep. be ready for that. Bang. Carp might swim yep. past them and they go, I'm not feeding on something moving because mm. if I try to turn, he's going to take off and I'm going to lose him. Like I don't even yep. know where he's gone. So I'm just going to sit so there and mooch on food. Yeah, that's that whole input-output thing that they've got, isn't it? They've got a be confident that whatever output they use, they're going to get a good feed Energy. out of. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so, if they can mooch along an theory. edge. Yeah, it sounds mm. sounds reasonable. You've tested it probably a lot more than what I have. So, yeah, unfortunately, some of those days. And <laughs> it's probably a good thing in the moment. Uh, I don't like it, but with the inflatables, mm. we, we float from A to B. So, we go, yeah, the river's low. Yep. Sweet, let's go. You put yep. in, you get half an, half an hour in, you're like, Oh, water doesn't look real good. Oh, well, they might mm. chew. Yet three hours later, uh, we haven't had a bite yet. Well, guess what? We're stuck out here all day and you have yep. to kind of learn what's going on. Um, yep. And yeah, the less the time I've spent doing that has kind of helped learn that lesson again. Excuse the hiccups. They are shocking. <laughs> um, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it helped me learn that lesson. And that's just from that section of it. Now, I believe that it's all about what is consistent for that waterway as well. So, Adding in another variable, a little bit in depth, but still important, is if the river is always fairly dirty, maybe always consistently 20, 25 centimeters, your western flowing rivers, I find yep. they, and it stays at that consistency. Like uh, I think Billabong Creek that runs out west um, is like chalky mud. Um, yep. And they do, they will feed on lures, not, not like clear water at all. But mm. I think a river that's sort of got, not the best clarity. It might have 15, 20 centimeters of clarity. If it's always like that, then yeah. they will still find the lure because they're they adapt sort to of it, yeah. in tune to that. Yeah, they adapt to that. Um, because if yeah. it's not flooding and there's not water coming in and it's not dirty from fl- flows, well, they haven't got the opportunity to just mooch on stuff that's not swimming around. They've got to be adaptable to yeah. feed on something moving. So, yeah. I find that, yeah, you have better success then. And then there's the other end of the scale when it gets too clear. Have you experienced mm-hmm. that? Uh, I don't think I have, mate. No, no, I don't think I've ever seen a yeah a, a cod river too clear. Yeah, they from, can get from what I've done beyond the normal of what that waterway should be. So, if we take mm-hmm. the ovens for example, it's clear year round, so they're used to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, they'll they they've built up a confidence to come out and eat in that clarity because they've got to because it's always that clear. Um, mm-hmm. But some rivers that get really clear, they can probably not this year. Like you could see the clearest river going this year and they'll probably still be right. But when you get into those middle drought period years when it hasn't flooded yep. for a while and they're sort of water's a little bit warm and it's affecting them and they're not that switched on, they're still keen. Sometimes mm-hmm. I've seen the Bidgee get that clear that they're spooky. So like you've okay. got to be really careful how you fish. Yeah, they get really spooky. So you really got to pick the shadows to the point where you fish in a sunny log and one side of the sunny log will have a shadow. So, what we yep. were doing way back, I remember doing it with Talos, we'd cast, he, I don't know how he worked it out. He, he'd cast, right? And the, the sun was behind us and there's a log running straight across in front of us, if you guys can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We cast the spinnerbait over the top 
And this is where spinnerbaits outfish hard bodies when normally I'd prefer to fish a hard body. Cast the spinnerbait over the top of the log on the backside of it, free spool it, click it into gear but have a high rod tip. So engage your rod, have tight like yep. tension to the spinnerbait, have a high rod tip and then feed it down. So you're pretty much letting the spinnerbait fall how, how, how it would normally fall but you're dropping your rod tip um, to keep up with the pace and you literally drop it like teabag it all and you're away from the log. You can't go over to it. So you do a cast, you feed it down behind the log in that shadow and then flick it back up over the edge and that many times we got belted but you, you had to be in there. If it wasn't there, the shadow. you weren't catching it. Yeah, because right. that was so clear. That was yeah, super, okay. super switched on. Yeah. What do you what do you call so clear? What do you call clear, clear? For well, so, the, you know, so the Wagga region of the Bidgee. So the the, well, the Bidgee or the Murray, they're very similar. Um, you put them yep. probably on par with the Goulburn. The only mm-hmm. places you wouldn't compare this to is like your real high upland place or New England because New England's always clear yeah. to a point. Yeah. Um, super clear would be an easy me- meter, like a solid meter of really good color. Like okay. not maybe a white, like you should be able to see a white spinnerbait at the end of your rod. Put your reel down to the water's edge. You should be able to see your spinnerbait. <laughs> so I'm talking like Chimit River clear, um, Upper Murray clear. Ooh. That's clear. Yeah, clear, yeah, okay. clear. Of yep. there, yeah, they're spooky. Yeah, um, yeah. I like that fifty to sixty to seventy centimeters. Yeah, yeah, that sixty centimeter range is good. Even once you get to a meter and beyond, I think you did a quick little session and it was over a meter. That I have found them to be spooky. Um, in that, like I said, that won't happen this year because they are yeah. so keen. But it, it definitely happen. didn't happen the other day. We had no, no they were issues. <laughs> They were happy as, yeah. You were, yep. What were you were chasing yellows on lipless cr- yeah. cranks and things like that, yep. weren't you? Lipless cranks. Um, Henry had a little, his little five-eighth white spinnerbait on, uh, but keeping them like super high and up against the edges. So we weren't sort of fishing any of those tippy sort of spots for the cod sort of thing, just in those shadowy pockets. And yeah, they were coming up and yeah, belt was left, right and center. Even the, the cod were as well, but the yellows were yeah, super happy as well. So yeah. Um, Yellows will come out though, more yeah. than cod. Yeah, they so, were happy, exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's that's that clarity thing. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that, that that's important. But yeah, like I said, this year will be phenomenal fishing on all accounts in the river systems, in the yeah the impoundments as well. Should fish really well with some stability. They may drop a little bit, but they've been pushing pretty good uh, consistently for a while. But yeah, the, the the river systems after a flood will be in mm. such good shape. Um, even yeah. when it's high with irrigation flows, we used to fish the Bidgee as kids in summer flows, like high flows. The Murray and the Bidgee will see it. There is a super effective way to cast and trot in those scenarios and have insane sessions. We used to catch even through the drought period or even through that 2016 period when it rained a lot, when they were high, we would cast the edges early, troll, and you'd end up with 25 fish for the day. Not huge. Um, yeah. But yeah, really good fun. That's the that's the one thing you really see a bigger class of fish as soon as that river drops by far. Yeah. 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 Nice. Just so you can fish those logs effectively. Um. Do we want to touch a little bit on impoundment stuff as well, mate, or do we want to stick with the? Yeah. Rivers? So, well, what do we, what do we get? We got a, 
a cot opening to come. Um, yep. One thing we didn't mention, which I would like to touch on now, is we have got a live Q&A coming up. Obviously, if you're listening to this into December, it'll all be done. But if you're listening to this yep. as this has come out, we have a live Q&A coming up uh, next week. So, make sure you check your email. If you're an email subscriber, it is on Tuesday, the 28th of November. We will have mm. Jacko Davis with us. Dan, you You'll be jumping on with myself, uh, yeah. live Q&A. Yeah. So, if you jump on the Q&A, you can ask questions. We're also giving away a $500 lure pack. Every member gets an entry, but if you jump on the Q&A and shoot through a question, you'll get an extra entry as well. So, if you jump on live, you not yeah, only get unreal. to talk to Dan, myself, and Jacko, you also get an extra entry into a $500 COD opening lure pack giveaway that we are giving away to our members. Um, so, don't miss that because that's a, That'll be a good an one. opportunity that will come and go very quickly. Yes. Yeah, on the rivers, um, we can come back to well. There's so much we can talk about other than <laughs> the fact that there's some rivers. Just so you know, there's some rivers that fish really well in the summer, and then there's a lot of rivers that will fish. Nearly all of them will fish good in the, the April, um, yep. April May period, and it's mainly irrigation. So irrigation will fish good all year round, but this, they're just hard to fish um, in the summer. So you really got to watch flows because sometimes they can drop. Um, yeah. But yeah, some amazing country that I'm super keen to fish over the summer. The ovens is a great one um, over the summer. It'll get low. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to go fish the Bidgee up in the ACT region, the Boulder country, all your New England country will be amazing. Yeah. With uh, no rain coming, Burundong and Wyangla won't let out a heap of water, I don't think, unless they get a stack of rain in this next week. But um, yeah, Lachlan's be been coming, pumping but- for a long time. Yeah, I don't think it'll be enough to. I don't think it'll be enough to get them up to big releases. I don't think. I don't think unless not Barrandong. No, I don't think so. Lachlan, maybe. A lot. I don't know what the other Y angle is at, but I know that they have really not been letting um, the Lachlan drop at all. So it hopefully will drop at some Mm. stage. But I think there's a few orders it's still used quietly for irrigation. Um, It is, yeah. But yeah, I, I know by. By March, we should start to see receding levels in yes. the Lachlan, the Macquarie, the Guider up north, but I'm pretty sure the Guider, they don't let a whole heap of water out. Um, the Bidgee, for sure. The mm-hmm. um, Murray. The only unique one is the Goulburn. The Goulburn will be low over summer, so they actually don't feed water down the Goulburn at all. Um, I think it's something to do with... Don't quote me on this. It's something to do with recreation on the river over summer. I don't know how that community gets its water or maybe there's no watering along that river and they get all their water from the Murray and the Mitter from Dartmouth, like the Murray catchment. Okay. Um, So, the Goulburn is usually low from now, from December, and it should stay low through to April before then they send a heap of water down. Um, Yeah, right. That's why we that. went. That's go. why we went and mapped it. Yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. we went mapped. Okay. It, it, it should run at nine hundred meg out of the Golden Weir. So it's like a if you live near the Golden, it is like a Mickey Mouse bit of river and really really good fishing opportunities over the summer. So I would like to get back down there. Yeah, it's mm. a cool river. Very cool. Um. So if someone's new to let's stick to the rivers for a minute and then we'll get to the yeah. empowerments. Yep. You got, well, let's talk about December. Let's talk about summer, December. We're coming out of uh, yellows. You've never chased cod in a river before. What are some lures? Or even if you have chased cod in a river before and you want to catch more of them, what's a bunch of yep. lures that you like to take? How do you fish them? What are some things you look for? Do you prefer to bank walk boat? Um, yeah. 
we've talked about river conditions. We've talked about water color, uh, flows. Yep. Let's talk about the lures yep. and the approach and what we cast at and things like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think number one thing to remember is to make sure that whatever the lure you are using sort of suits your situation, um, which we talk about heaps like in the membership about what where a spinnerbait suits and where a hard body suits and things like that. Um, I mean, as a general rule, I'm probably a little bit like you where I do really enjoy throwing a hard body lure um, when chasing cod. Because it's, it's lazy. It's so easy. I, uh, you kind of yeah, you don't have to sort of think too much about it. You know that they've got a pretty big presence in the water, and I guess I've had some pretty good success with them as well. So, um, I don't know. I guess there's a couple of standouts, um, like your ballista dinos are a good hard body to fish. They fish pretty easy. Um, I think some of the ACs they tend to wear your arms out pretty quickly because um, they're a pretty heavy sort of lure in the water, but super effective. Um, what was that one that you were using there last year that we were sort of talking about? It's a big M or something? Yeah, yeah. So it's a, a, it's a, it's a bigger fish diving hard body. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it probably won't pull it out till April or May. Like, yeah. if you're fishing a river where, the, where I know there's, like maybe in the ACT where I know there's some big fish around, I'll pull that out. But yep. to start with on higher flowing rivers, smaller fish, I'll probably throw spinnerbaits and small hard bodies. But yes, that... Yep. That's a high-profile, shallow diving hard body. Um, quite yep. a big presence, 100, 100 and a bit mil, I think. Um, really yep. good option to have. Um, one of my favourites, and I know it's not one of yours, is the Orgy Player, 75 mil. Yeah, I was going to yeah, um, say that if you couldn't think of <laughs> Yeah, that's, um, I mean, that's just a super easy um, lure, easy to get hold of, easy to fish, um, and they... They work really well. They're really effective on cod and yellow, so you can have a nice mixed-up session. Um, they're not too big for a smaller fish to eat, so uh, they're probably a good choice uh, for your hard body, I would reckon. Um, um, what? Tell us a little bit about weedless plastics. They've been good fun. Yeah, they better are than you super, think. Yes, they are, and they're one of those things where I can see people getting a setup to you, like, you know, getting their weedless plastics, rigging them up, getting them out there, using them for half a dozen casts and goes, no way a fish is ever going to find that and eat that. That's just not going to work. And they get thrown in. You know, we've all been guilty of doing those sort of things in the past and then the next season comes along and it's like the biggest craze ever and you're like, I tried that last year. I should have given it a bit more time. And I think weedless plastics are falling into that category for a lot of people. Um, because if you compare them Even to what we call... Even in dirty water. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. If you compare them to, say, what we see as the presence of a spinnerbait or a big thumping hard body, they, to us, don't fit the status quo. But to a fish, they are more than capable of feeling them, seeing them, and the places you can put them weedless plastics into, you wouldn't get any other bait in there. Uh, and they are really, really fun to fish, which is what I like about them. Just as much as they're sort of how effective they are, the, the, the way you fish them is is really cool, really fun. Yeah. Very fun. Um, yeah. I've caught quite a few way back in that 15, 16 period. We fished them for a while while the river was low, and we mm-hmm. had some really good success, but I still went away from them in dirty water. I'd be like, mm, water's too dirty, I won't use it. 
Like, and it yeah. really wasn't that dirty. I only used it real clear. There wasn't yep. many out there that were very good designs either that I come across back then. I caught some really yeah. good ones in Upper Murray back in the day. Yep. Um, and this was just tying a ball sink up to a worm hook um, and fishing them. But now with the weighted hook further down, they have a yeah. better balance. Um, the hookup rate on smaller fish with them is terrible. I'm not going to yep. lie, it's shocking. The hookup rate yep. on bigger fish so far has been pretty good. Um, it is, yeah. they seem to crush them pretty good. well. And, yeah. and they seem to attract bigger fish more consistently because they're more natural. Yep. That's what we've found. Way more natural. Yeah. You can fish them high. You can fish them deep. Yep. You literally, with a way this plastic, you don't need a hard body and spinnerbait. Your hard body is your, your diving lure. So, you need to crank it down and get it down, cover water. Spinnerbait's your cast it in, let it sink lure. Mm-hmm. With this plastic, you can you can cast it one straight away and keep it high, or you can cast it and let it yep. sink into the pocket like a spinnerbait. You can rip it out real easy. Um, yeah, good option. Uh, oh yeah, good option. Yeah, yeah. I do have a I, with them. I have a trip planned to Wagga to go down the tackle store and stock up down there. So uh, yeah, and it's going to be a good yeah. There'll be a good range this year, this season, because it's going to be a massive season for it and. But yeah, they're just too much fun. Because you do you do go through them pretty quick. They're only soft plastic, so river cod will yeah. tear them apart pretty nicely. Yeah. But they're pretty cheap. Yeah. So and they yeah. catch fish. Oh, they do. Yeah, I think I'll set up a. Um, it's probably as much as the plastic. It's also just the little terminals and stuff, like your weedless hooks and your different weights and spare spinner bait, like spare blades that sort of hang off the bottom. I think they're still. Um, especially for the yellows and also as an attractor for a smaller fish as well. I think they're still sort of important to have on there. But most of the ones that come like pre-packaged are gone within three sort of casts, if if not the first fish sort of thing. So, Unless um, you're Alex. Yeah, he's stays like... Stays on for a whole trip yeah, magically. <laughs> magically, yes. Uh, so, yeah, I tend to just, yeah, use a couple of little bits and pieces of terminal stuff to just well, pull them out of the packet, take the blade off and use a you know a barrel swivel and a couple of split rings and sort of rejig them that way so uh yeah what were going to say earlier about this year you're going to have a yeah so I'll, a tackle I'll, box dedicated yeah i'll set up a like a, a weedless plastic box which will just have yeah all your bits and That's pieces in done. it because yeah 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 i haven't got there yet yeah i've, I've got a weedless busy. plastic box yeah i've been smashing yellows all spring so i haven't quite got to uh rigging up for cod season yet Oh, I haven't rigged it up, but that's the box from last year. So when we drift, I've got a box that's got like the the brag mat, the pliers, the cutters. It's usually got a couple of surface lures and all my spin yeah. baits in it because they sort of sit flat at one end and then all the term, like the tools sit at the other end. A couple of yeah. big surface lures in there. Then I've got another box that's jammed with hard, bot- hard body and top water. It's not all that big. Um, well, it's mm-hmm. not bad. It's got all my hard bodies. It's best I can jam them in there with a couple of top waters. But most of the yep. top water sitting in the other one because it's hard. And now, because I only have a handful of spinnerbaits, and then now I've got a box that's mm. pretty decent. It's literally just a weedless <laughs> plastic box. <laughs> that's the go. Oh, they're so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. They work. Yeah. Oh, treat. Plastics yep. and top water. And plastics are kind of on par with your swim baits. I know a lot of people have been getting into swim bait for, for river cod. Yep. Um, not something I have done or done with success yet. You have to be real particular on how you fish them around timber, um, especially mm. in faster flowing water. I know some people have had success fishing them like a top water across the front of the, the flow of the logs. But if you yep. if it's dirt, 
dirty. You can't see the timber below. They're a bit hard to keep out of the timber, uh, especially in mm. low light where they have worked really well is in Boulder country. So, they've been using them up near yeah, okay. for years. They use them in that yep. Boulder country around ACT for a long time because even if you do it of rock, might blunt yep. your hooks, but you, your swim bait will bounce over. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I actually haven't really tried the swim bait river thing. It's just very, very... A lot of thought and concentration goes into it, whereas a weedless plastic, I can pretty much do the same thing. Obviously, not have trebles yep. on it, but get away with yep. a lot more snags and things things like that. For sure. Um, what kind of rod do you want to run on a weedless plastic setup? Like, are we going to... Like, yeah, what's the, the rod type? Because it does make a difference because you kind of have to hit them hard on a weedless plastic. Yeah, you do. Uh, it's... I don't know. It... You kind of got to have. I feel like it's kind of reasonably particular because you want to have something that you're able to whip a plastic in, like those underhand rolled out cast that you're skimming underneath willows or underneath a, an overhanging branch or something. Needs a particular rod with you know with the right sort of top section to be able to roll that cast in there to be able to load it underhand and get a reasonably lightweight bait into the spot. But at the same time, you're potentially getting jammed by some pretty decent fish that you then need to have enough bottom end of your rod to be able to sort of yank them out of there. So, I don't know, mate. What would you, what hard, would you eh? sort of, how, how do you describe it? Well, when I go this way, we went on the ovens, I had a, quite a light rod for flicking them. Yep. And yep. because they're only small fish, it didn't have to have guts in it. Because mm-hmm. you could just lift and you know bang you to go through because they're not sort of tough that mouth. Yeah, on my I've got a six foot six. Um, it's like a medium heavy sort of. Uh, it's it's, yeah. it's a rod you. Uh, it's 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 fairly light. It's like got a little bit of tip in it, but it's it's got a fair bit of go in it, and it's not the best for whipping the two hundred mil. I use it for the two hundred mil weedless yeah. plastic. Yeah. Um, and it will flick them, but it's I've got to do a two hand. Like I can't just flick it one-handed to get it under a tree. Like I've got to use yeah, okay. the butt and push through to get it to yep. go under the trees and skip. And it, I kind of, it doesn't do that as good, but it sets yep. the hooks good. So yeah. it's kind of well, a balance there. It's only a cheap I rod, guess. and I can't find any good quality one that'll do the same thing. It's only one of the Ray Rex. Yeah, um, but once you get like to models, once you get to a two hundred mil plastic, though, you're not really talking about a super light plastic anymore, though, are you? Like it's, no, it's how you're saying you've sort of got to use sort of your your, your second hand on the butt. It's, yeah, you probably, you probably couldn't do it anyway. No, I don't think you would like single-handed anyway. Like if you're yeah. talking about like your six-inch, um, like the cast plastics, for example, then you can yep. you can single-hand roll them pretty pretty easily sort of thing because they're nice and light and they're sort of compact. They don't catch as much air um, as you're trying to throw them in either. But the but- Prolu was... I reckon skim really, really well. That's what I like about them. Yeah, so the to- the, the Pro Lure, the, the 150 mil XL shad is like, yep. would go. I'd put it on a different rod to the 6-inch cast yeah, to a different rod right. to the 200 mil. Like, it's getting pretty yes. technical. Like, yeah, yeah. The, yep. If I have a rod for the, the, the light Pro Lure and the heavy Pro Lure, like one of each, then I've got this 6-inch mm-hmm. cast in the middle, which kind of is too heavy for that one and probably a bit under for the one I take, but I'm only on a drift. Yep. I only take three rods, so I've yep. also got one big seven, seven foot one with a top water on it so mm-hmm. I would still probably put that cast on my heavier stick but yeah, it, yeah the weedless plastic thing I know I'm 
probably sound a bit technical now if you guys are like, well, I just want to cast one. <laughs> do I have to really do that? But it's all about being able to flick off your yep. odd tip and you should be able to throw a light hard body and a light spinnerbait and a small, like 150 mil weedless plastic all on the same rod. Um, your small yeah. hard body might need a little bit more guts in it. Um, yeah. But I have a light, salty stage casting rod that I use for spin- yeah. spinnerbaits and light weedless plastics and it, it works really well. It's got a nice right, little whippy what's, tip. What's the ratings on that? Six foot six? Um, four to eight kilo? Yeah, it would... Yeah, it'd be like four to eight. I think some of them are four to seven, and it would be anywhere from six. Nah, sometimes shorter works too. Like, yeah, it depends. In the inflatable, I go a bit shorter, but yeah, it'd be a six yeah. six. I don't yeah. really like anything more than a. You can't unless you're tall, like you, like a little bit taller. Yeah, like um, the a seven foot is no good for underarm stuff. Yeah. So I have got a seven foot rod now. That's just for top water, and it's just for whoosh, yep. chucking in there. But yep. six foot six is the max I'll go mm. for any underarm casting. When I was in the inflatable as a kid with spinnerbaits, I'd use a five foot ten and a yep. six foot. Actually, I think that one I'm flicking those weed plastics with is six foot. To be honest, yeah, I'll okay. Check. Yeah, I know mine are about six tall. I know mine, yeah, six six. Um, same thing. I don't like to go, even though I am tall. My arms are also longer than yours, so they. Your wrist ends up about the same level off the water, just about. So, um, six, six, four to eight kilo. But you don't want just a. It needs to be something that's got a gutsy bottom end and a bit of tip on it to be able to do what you need. Like I know I've got a, um, like a Raider Shimano Raider. They're pretty cheap rod, and you know they can be okay for some things, but for rolling them plastics in, they're just they're just no good. They just don't have that tip plus your nah. butt section to to be able to do it so um you know i can throw spinner baits and stuff with them but when you're trying to get that roll action up under a, a log or whatever it, they just don't cut it you end up working too hard for it sort of thing that's right i think mine's a six three six three four to eight kilo medium but that could mean anything in any brand they're all shop yeah that's right you know they're yeah all, they're all different that doesn't tell me it's got a light tip and a gutsy midsection um, yeah. You've kind of got to go in the shop and put a casting plug on it, which most tackle shops will let you put a casting yeah. plug on it and go whoosh, and roll it under yeah. underarm. That's it. Don't that's cast weedless plastics overarm. Nope. Got to do it underarm. Spinnerbaits yeah. underarm. Hard bodies same deal underarm. If you can, yeah. We we grew up learning um, how to cast on the rivers accurately, and you've got to learn underarm. And yes, you use overhead sometimes if you need more distance and you need to punch it because you need to beat yep. your mate to the snag first or something. <laughs> Top water, yep. you need to send it, doesn't need to be accurate, cool. But when you yep. get a log and a willow or something and you need to get it tight to it, by the time you cast overhead, if you've got overhanging branches, it then restricts where you can get it. You also can't control. If you cast yep. underarm, you're sending it up and that way you can control and feed it down into the log. Like you can slow it down, yep. you can slow it down, that will fall in as it comes back down. Um yeah, you got to. That was a uh, battle that Henry and I had all of last season on our little inflatable. Like <laughs> you've got to cast underhand. You can't cast over your head. I can't and do it. Was he struggling? Well. Yeah, because it's just not what he's used to doing. He's twelve years old, so it's really that was his first season on the river, 
Um, he's since won himself an outfit, which he has a sinker tied to the end of and gets in the backyard and practices with. Does he actually um, have a sinker just, on it? Yeah, just sinker tied off to the end of the leader. Can you get him a hard body and take the trebles off? Because sinkers are so hard to cast. <laughs> they really are. Like if you, you can't practice with sinker because it's the wrong ratio. Yeah, yeah. Like it yeah. comes off it wrong. So if you yeah. do cast, get a casting plug um, or a... I've got an old custom crafted uh, yeah. 80 mil hammerhead. It's like the perfect weight. Bash but it up around the grass. When he, yeah. When he casts, is he kind of when you're learning? It's kind of like a weaker cast that goes from left to right or right to left, and isn't like loading the rod, like punching it. Yeah, it's like yeah. a. You've got to sort of be confident and back yourself with your casting. You can't sort of half yep. do an underhand cast where other casting styles, like if you're casting from left to right over your shoulder, you can sort of. You know, you can sort of half lollipop a cast in there, but most of the time you're over a tree or the wind catches it or you're hooking your mate in the back or, you know, any number of disastrous things could happen if, you, yeah, if you're not casting properly. So does he go back to doing it and you're like, you got to tell him to, like, when he's out yeah. there, he goes back Especially to doing it overhead? Especially when the line goes, again, somewhere up in a tree or... You know, the line just catches, even if it's a little bit of breeze and he's gone over, the lure hits the water and by the time he takes the slack up, it's looped over the next piece of the branch sticking out and it's like, I don't know, now we've got to go and get that out. So, <laughs> mate, you've got to get the underhand thing. So, And he practices yeah. outside? Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, he practices nice. more, obviously, once we get out on the water, but yeah, every now and then yep. it's like, righto, mate, let's go. I'll get out there with him and muck around and yeah, see yep. if we can throw it into a tin or something like that. Or a bucket, yeah, yeah. He'll pick it up. Mm. That's um, yeah. that is something I did as a kid. I actually did it that much that we the, the rule was I got taught by someone you do not overhead. So I, I didn't yep. overhead um, over cast for a long time before I was like, mm. oh, I have to do this in impoundments. Um, yeah, that's right. To yep. the point where I still actually cast my soft plastics in the impoundments underhand all the time. Yeah, I don't yep. know. Still get heaps, um, heaps of distance. So, mate, we're pretty much gonna finish up this little cod opening summer special mm-hmm. thing um if we look at technique wise it's everything spinner baits casting hard bodies like i said you can troll in your bigger rivers top water will be huge for smaller fish yep. in the summer there'll be big yep. fish caught there'll be small fish caught um i know we talk about april being a prime period especially for the murray or the bidgee uh but it's also are going to be a phenomenal summer on a lot of other rivers like the macquarie yeah um, should fish really well over summer. You know, like I said, the Bidgee, Upstream of Burrenjark, the Goulburn, the Ovens, yep. all these other smaller tributaries should be really good throughout the summer yeah. period, like especially December before it gets real hot. Impairment-wise, yep. tell me your thoughts on the impairments. We've kind of talked um, about them for three years and I'm just, I just want to talk about rivers. <laughs> no, and that's fair enough too. Honestly, I, oh, I've i had sort of a few messages come in um, because I do the, the writing for the Burrenjuk reports, I, I get quite a few messages coming in going, oh, you know, I'm heading to Burrenjuk for cod opening. And, I, you know, it's like, yeah, cool. I actually haven't thought a whole lot about cod opening at Burrenjuk because I'm just thinking of chasing the water downstream of it. So, um, look, I, I think for me, summertime in the impairments is, uh, and as far as cod fishing goes, just all about having fun. It's about having a good camp, if you can get it under a shady tree, you spend a lot of time in the water. I spend the prime time in the morning and the afternoon 
maybe casting spinnerbaits to treetops or trolling along in four to six metres of water with a two-ounce spinnerbait and just 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 more of a fun time of year to, to chase cod. I don't necessarily want to chase a big cod. Uh, I actually don't specifically chase them through summertime at all. I'd rather just get out there and catch a cod. It's really good fun with my kids. I usually get a mate or two that wants to come out and just, I don't know, just have fun with it rather than slog. Yeah, we do that winter slog thing in the impoundments and, uh, yeah, no, I'm not out there in the dark during summertime too much. I'm usually up, you know, having a beer at camp and having a yarn sort of thing. I'm quite happy yep. to go and catch a 50, 60 centimetre fish off a rocky bank or a, a laid down piece of timber and, um, yeah, that's that's it for me sort of thing. So um, I think this year with the amount of yellows that have congregated back onto some of those trees in some sections, I think that's the standing tim is going to be another good area to target cod this summer as well. Um, as well as your, you know, your, your general sort of rocky banks and things like that. So I think I'll probably do a bit of that, throw spinnerbaits over them. Uh, I'll probably even try the, the weedless plastics um, over the... Yeah, nice. You know, over the standing timber um, in the impoundments as well, just to explore that because I've I've never thrown a weedless plastic in in impoundment um, properly. I've sort of experimented. They'll hit with a it. Couple of, you just miss them. Yeah, yeah, and that no, that's that's okay. I I yeah, I really don't mind too much. So yeah, it'd be good just to get out there and have a bit of bit of a muck around. I reckon. Yeah, nice. So. What you're saying is that for you, summer is more of just an enjoyment thing on anything, but summer can still be an incredible time to chase cod, especially yeah. bigger cod um, in the impoundments. Yep. The one thing I do recommend is not fishing for them too deep, and if you do catch them, get them back quick. Get them out of that surface hot water as quick as you yeah. can. Yep. Even if you're fishing in the dark, the water will cool down quite a lot on the surface like very quickly within an hour and that's why I spend most of my time in the dark or in the morning. If you do yep. catch a cod during the daylight, especially from lunchtime onwards, be very quick to get it back. Try not yeah, to fish from any deeper than seven, eight meters is really pushing it but seven, eight mm -hmm. meters is kind of the limit yep. I like to go. If you catch them in 10, chances are they may go belly up, especially in older cod but yep. I wrote a piece which is available an article that is, and a bunch of videos in the membership on summer trolling techniques for cod, which is something we had a lot of success with over the previous couple of years, um, yep. literally fishing in the daylight period and mm -hmm. catching quite a few really Great nice fun. cod from 60 to 80 centimetres. Um, and I know mm -hmm. mates who are catching them in the 110s mark doing the same technique, really straightforward, yep. easy technique with the family, trolling, yep. big spinnerbaits. Um so that was super successful. You can cast the rocky edges, but the fish are all active, super active, super yeah. hungry, super feeding. I will do it in December. Come January, February, I'll do very little impoundment fishing for cod. Um, yeah. One thing is if you do, you do do it, chase fishing just above that thermocline as well is another sort of key area to fish because a yep. lot of them will congregate around that thermocline area. But personally, December, definitely for your impoundment cod. January, February, mm -hmm. I prefer to chase trout um, quite a lot and also river cod yeah. here and there it's also more yep. family time as well That's March right, yeah. is when stuff really starts to kick back into gear March is like great time for trout great time for river cod and then you won't see me April, May on the, on the <laughs> mapping rivers and fishing just, rivers just check the river flows we'll know where you are yeah, yeah yeah, the Murray and the Bidgee. I'd like to go to the yeah. Lachlan. Ah, so many, yeah. so many good options. But but December Endless. and January, we'll probably spend some time on some small cod rivers as well up in the higher country. Yeah. 
like the ovens. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. No, that's cool. A good rundown. Impoundment, bait fishing works really well, especially overnight while you're camping. Yeah, that's um, right. Yep. We're going to jump on really another good. chat. I was just going to say, Wangler's a really fun summer fishery. It's got a lot of sort of 60 to 80 centimetre fish in that place, and they love a trolled lure of any size, cast lure, whatever you want to do. They, they I try and get there once in summertime every year just because they're just good fun. They're super active, easy to catch, um, and, it's yeah, it's pretty chill. It's pretty relaxed sort of a thing. I haven't do done a summer up there, so I might come yep. with you. That'll be good. Mm. Yeah, that's um, a good, good place. We're going to jump on a few more chats over the summer, just talking about different mm-hmm. topics. Um, we had a request to talk about sounders and boat setup, uh, so that would be yep. a good one that we might touch yep. on. The next one, even though we're coming out of the springtime, yellows will still feed on trees all through summer. So, whether you're listening yeah, to the podcast that we're going to do on yellows fishing on the trees, whether you listen to it in five years' time, it'll still relate to all of spring and summer. Um, yep. Even all year, actually, you chase yellows in the winter on the trees. So, the next podcast yep. you and I catch up on, mate, we might talk about yellows on the trees. Yeah, good Remember, one. everyone, if you are listening to this within the first few days of it going out, the live Q&A with Jacko, chance to win $500 worth of lures. Even if it is after the 28th of November, 2023, the replay for that Q&A and all the Q&As inside the membership are available to watch. We've been working on a stack of content going up inside the membership. The community is incredible. We have so many great members yep. and also a stack of maps that we've been working on that are coming out as well as some new features. So if you guys are after more content on freshwater fishing, as always, like I talk about in the podcast, we create heaps more inside the membership. So jump on and check that out. But uh, thanks, mate, for the quick chat on this whatever day afternoon it is. <laughs> I don't even know what I... <laughs> it don't, Tuesday? It don't matter. It is a Tuesday, yeah, mate. Yeah, Yeah. Which no, means we're my, nine, nine days out. Mm, my kids are just what going home from do? school, so that'll tell you what it is. Definitely yeah. school day. <laughs> what am I going to do? Um, cod opening, well, your first trip, not for cod opening, but for your first trip when you get back, um, you're going to do first some trip. sort of river session? Well, yeah, definitely with my kids, mate, yeah. Yep. Um, and their teachers probably won't like me saying this, but I don't care whether it's a Tuesday or a Thursday or a Sunday, mate. We'll be out there as soon as we get the chance. So, uh, yeah, it'll be pretty uh, pretty much as soon as we get back from our cod opening trip, which is not actually cod fishing. Uh, we're heading down to Melbourne for a family trip down there. Um, so, yeah, we'll be back. And during that first week of December, we will be out on the river, uh, on the Bidgee. We've got some sort of private access that we can get onto down there with the rough hole inflatable and... Rip into it. What um, What's a goal between now and Christmas? You're obviously going to do that session with your kids. We might do a session and we're going to go to the ACT. Um, so there might be two or three chances on a river and inflatable. What mm-hmm. is the goal before Christmas? Do you have yeah, one or nah, the, just go fishing? Put me on the spot. No, I don't really have one, mate. No, no. Um, just give me something fun that's something you're going to try. All right, let's go an 80-centimetre fish on a weedless soft plastic. What's your biggest on a weedless plastic? Not that big. You already caught uh, like one. Sep- you already caught an 80. Like s- no, you got an 79. Did I? Oh, I can't do that. That man. was 80. I thought it was like, was it? Yeah, it might have been two actually. Yeah, I know the yeah, fish you're talking was. about now. I think you actually, I think I've seen it today, that photo. I think you might have used it on the cover yeah. for the Q&A coming up. Yeah. yeah. So scratch, yeah. scratch that. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know, mate. I don't. I really don't know. We- I'd like to. Plastics? Yeah, weedless plastics would be a big thing. I'd actually like to get my kids onto the weedless plastics thing a little bit too, um, just to what about show them. Yeah, of course. The top water's too obvious, though. I wasn't going to say top water. If what about the boys? Go, wanna... Have the boys caught one on top? Have, um, have the boys caught top water river fish before or even been hit by one? No, I don't think so. No, a lot of the time when we're out there, I'm out there in the dark and they're still rolled up in a swag or something. So, yeah. uh, difference is this year, Henry is definitely way keener. Um, and I think Dill will be pretty keen as well. Seeing how our conditions are pretty good. And they missed out on seeing some big fish caught last season because they were still tucked away in their swags um, mm. while I got out there for a fish. So, um, And I do sort of put a little bit of rubbish on them because they weren't there to take a photo of that nice one I caught, which was one of the last fish I caught for last season, um, which is 90-plus centimetre fish off the top in the fog first thing in the morning and they were still snoring in their swags. So I'm motoring up the river with the fish in the net and the bloody thing scooted out before I even got a photo of it. So, <laughs> yes, I'll be reminding them of That's that right. before There's we go. There's video proof. There's video there proof is. of that. Yeah, yes, there is. So, anyway, good cool. fun. Um, Just keen, keen to there. get out there. Yeah, and I think it was a good chat for not only sharing a bit of bit of stuff, a bit of knowledge, but also I'm sure everyone, wherever you're listening, is, sort of gets you a little bit more keen for cod opening because I've been that busy trying to get things done and hanging out with the kids, going carp fishing, and I really forgot that it was nearly here, but yep. now I'm actually pretty keen, so I better go get me weedless plastic box ready and <laughs> pick somewhere to go for a session. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Do, you have, awesome. do you have a session picked? Uh, well, I'm going to just go back to where I grew up, based just downstream of Wagga, real popular area. Yeah, cool. hammered. Um, it'll yep. be high flows. I'm just going there with uh, the kids and family and family, well, wife's friend and friend's partner, yep. and he doesn't fish much at all. He said he's um, cheese and worms is all he's ever caught yeah, a fish nice. on. He's never caught yep. a fish on a lure. So I said, right, oh, we'll go camp with the kids. Yeah, yep. that's my goal for that trip. Yeah, I was like, oh, why don't we just go? So, why don't we get you one on top? He's like, oh, I was going to say, once we get one on a lure, can we try and get one on surface? That's the <laughs> ultimate goal. I was like, let's just go straight to top water. So, straight to top, um, yeah. That bit of river has that many fish. It's not funny. So, if you ever want to go somewhere to learn the basics of lure fishing, go to the Murrumbidgee. Yeah. And if you want to learn how to control a boat, because it's pretty, pretty decent flowing water from Wagga to yeah. Narendra. Wagga to yeah. Narendra, so many cod, just mm. 30, 40, 50, 60 centimeter fish. Even yep. when it's running high, bait fishing, lure fishing, it's phenomenal. I'm really glad I grew up there. Um, harder to catch big fish in the flows, which is the only thing that didn't happen when I was younger. That's why I love fishing yep. it low or like the Goulburn in summer because it's low. But yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I'll be doing. So we'll just be fishing tight to the edges and see if we can get him first fish on a lure. Never thrown a bait caster, so that should be fun. Good challenge. That, that'll be that'll be a good one in its own. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, good one. Awesome, <laughs> good. mate. Righto. Thank you, and I'll, I'll talk to you. Righto, mate. Catch ya.